Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. We have our mailbag edition of the podcast trying to get this part of the pod going uh, just probably every other week, answering our subscriber questions that have been submitted on the message board uh, at ontheponyexpress.com. Pick up a subscription today if you haven't already. $10 per month. Trust me, just woke up this morning, dropped a couple of big tidbits on the site. You won't want to miss them. One involving a Big Ten transfer. So check that out. But now we want to get into our mailbag questions. Some are being answered in a Q&A format for our subscribers to kind of give them uh, that and not just blast them out on YouTube. Uh, and so we'll have that up on the site on uh, Thursday morning. We're going to lead off th- or Friday morning. We're going to lead off Friday morning with the mailbag part of the podcast. But now uh, we are going to get into the questions. Without further ado, some of the questions that were submitted from our On the Pony Express subscribers. This first one comes in from Alum UFC 4 Hope that's how you pronounce your username. Transitioning on from the Tanner Mordecai era to the Preston Stone, Kevin Henry Jennings era, do you think there will be a drop-off or will we be okay in the quarterback room next year? Well, uh, they do have Keldrick Luster coming in, so that'll be three quarterbacks at the very least on the roster for the 2023 season. Obviously, Both Preston Stone and Kevin Henry Jennings played well at times in 2022. I feel like there's going to be the potential that you see a drop-off. And and here's why. One, you open the season, you get your feet wet right away for Preston Stone or Kevin Henry Jennings, but then you have Oklahoma, TCU right on the schedule. And it'll be interesting to see how – having a full offseason, having all these new faces affect how the quarterback play is early in the season, if that makes sense. Because you go and you lead off with Louisiana Tech, who's going to have probably a talented team, and, and you're going to have to score some points to keep up with Sonny Cumbie's team. But when you face Oklahoma, when you face TCU, it is still a different level of going into a game as a starter knowing that you've got to follow a game plan. You're not just going in there, for example, um, when Preston Stone came in against Cincinnati uh, and was able to lead a comeback. He he had nothing to lose. It was kind of like when I watched Garrett Nussmeyer, you know, set, um, I believe he set, helps LSU set a record for total passing yards in the SEC championship game against Georgia. He came in in the second half when they were down like 35 points. So he was chucking it around and having fun. That was kind of how Preston Stone was in a way. He was just able to take shots. He was able to uh, just play with nothing to lose. And when you have a game plan, you 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 have to play within that game plan. And I know that sounds maybe weird and dumb, but I would say that you could expect a drop off. Now, what that looks like is it because you know Tanner Mordecai was so accomplished as a passer last year. 
Um, or is it because, well, Preston Stone's going to tuck it and run. There might not be as many explosive plays early in the season as he settles in uh, if he is a starting quarterback. If you're Kevin Henry Jennings, what, you know, and, and he somehow grabs a starting job, what does that look like? How does the offense look? Rhett Lashley, and I would say it took a few games, obviously, against better competition to figure out the red zone, to figure out uh, some of the nuances in the offense, getting the right running back in there. Eventually they got Tyler Levine. Those things take time to develop. This is going to be a season where SMU can't take that time. They need to jump right in and be ready to go. But I still just have this feeling that from a passing game perspective, Preston Stone is probably going to be a little bit of a drop-off. Now, where maybe there won't be much of a drop-off, if he can not have the interceptions and turnovers like Tanner Mordecai had. So that's the difference. Does If Preston Stone takes care of the ball, does that even out in terms of making sure SMU doesn't lose a possession or two a game, especially in big games against good opponents? Does that then even it out uh, in terms of maybe... Um, like having that consistent passing game that SMU had for much of the season. So I'm going to say early on, maybe there are growing pains as Preston Stone adjusts to being the full-time starter as uh, Kevin Henry Jennings, even if he finds a way to win it, adjusts to being the full-time starter. There are enough new faces. There is enough uh, change on offense that I think you're, you're, you're going to want to tweak your lineup. You're going to want to see what works. And could that all encompassing change lead to a drop off? It could. Um, I was higher on Tanner Mordecai than most. So that's maybe where I'm coming from, where you, where you have somebody that is as productive as he is. Will there be a drop off? Uh, it's tough for me to maybe not see that happening again. If Preston Stone takes care of the football, does that even out? And then can, can it be a, uh, an even trade statistically. Can it be, can they outdo what Tanner Mordecai did uh, this past season and in, in, uh, in 2021? So I would say just a little bit of a drop-off early. Uh, and then we'll see, obviously, as he settles into conference play, there can't be a drop-off. And I don't think there will be a drop-off once you get into that league portion uh, in the new look AAC. No pony, no cry. As we move into some recruiting and transfer questions, do you expect the 2024 class to be mostly wrapped up by end of summer like 2023 or no? I would I would expect it to be fairly wrapped up. And here's why. Just from a recruiting calendar perspective, guys, we're seeing that happen more and more. Um, I was pretty lucky for the most part. LSU and SMU both had their uh, classes wrapped up um, fairly early. You know, here or there, a couple recruitments to track. Uh, down the stretch for for LSU, they had a few guys that they were working on. But then with SMU, we saw Lamadric Spencer just commit. We covered that on the last podcast. Um, but other than that, uh, Kevin Allen was the only one during the early signing period uh, that we were watching, and and he certainly you know jumped on board. So um, that makes fourteen of uh, your class pretty much being uh, wrapped up uh, by the beginning of football season, which is kind of when I. Uh, draw the line at summer. You know, once those guys are in their football season, uh, that's when you can consider the summer over. And SMU got that whole class pretty much wrapped up 
um, by the end of summer. So the last one before football season to jump on board was Jamarian Carroll, who just finished as a four-star prospect for on three. So um, I think we're going to like that one. Uh, just his competitiveness, uh, his ability to go up to get and get the ball. That was what really stood out to me overall. So uh, Jamarian Carroll, outstanding. So credit to him uh, for getting uh, that fourth star. But I do think the 2024 class will be wrapped up by the end of summer. I think it's going to be a pretty selective class. I think they're going to go for probably around 10 to 15 total. Um, maybe even le- maybe even less than that 15, maybe more like, you know, 12 maybe as a sweet spot um this is a this is a roster that has tons of guys with multiple years left Uh, i mean just going off the top of my head there are not many uh that have one year remaining um i i think it's uh probably the entire defensive line devere levelston elijah chapman jordan miller uh guys like that nelson paul and then um you know for the most part you you have a lot of uh hyron white so that you have probably, I mean, seven seniors just kind of off the top of my head right now. Um, that's probably the number. So uh, you're looking at a roster that could very well in 2024 be really, really good. So um, I think it's going to be a small class. I think they're going to be selective. Um, and, and then we'll see how they go about the transfer portal as well on that front. So Cal Pony asks, between now and opening day, how many new players, if any, will be on the roster from the portal that have not already committed? And can you estimate the timing of these new portal additions? I would say off the top of my head, probably I could see five. We've talked at length that about Drake Metcalf, the Stanford offensive lineman who, who seems to kind of be, be waiting uh, for that uh, acceptance into SMU uh, for law school. So that's kind of what we're watching with him. So that's one uh, if he's able to get on board. And then you have linebackers still in need. Um, wouldn't shock me if they want to bring in another safety. Amir Renwick, the Coffeeville defensive back, was on campus this past weekend. Um, he's going to take it to the spring. Um, they're still in it with Bishop Fitzgerald, his teammate, really, really highly touted safety, who's taking it to the spring. And um, then, you know, from there, I could see them adding another offensive lineman. And we dropped some notes on that on, on the Pony Express to so check that out. Uh, with another name to monitor. So right off the bat there, you're one, two, three with a linebacker. If they can add another safety or, um, you know, two, <laughs> I mean, they just are not going to turn away secondary guys and then defensive tackle, defensive end, they're always watching for. So I, five is probably a good guess. And I would say anywhere from, from now uh, until, you know, uh, June, you know, that that second transfer portal window uh, begins May 1st, ends May 15th. So those guys will enter and then have the chance to be recruited over the summer um, and during that stretch in May to get a new college for summer workouts and then get on campus. So it'll be interesting to see who, who enters uh, from that respect um, and, and where they go after. SMU did lose uh, Brendan Hall to the transfer portal. I think uh, they they had a, uh, you know, kind of mutual understanding that, you know, Colin Rogers is a stud and and you know, he's probably the kicker of the future. And then um, Bo Corrales did enter the portal. Uh, so that freed up a scholarship that went to Romello Brinson, in my mind, kind of a one-for-one trade on that front. And Donald Clay, veteran safety, one of my favorite guys uh, to cover, uh, is entering the transfer portal as a grad transfer as well. Um, that was expected. You know, somebody that 
saw his playing time diminish. They've recruited a ton of safeties. He's going to graduate, which is awesome. I mean, just for Duck, um, coming from New Orleans, and John Curtis, he's one of the guys on the team that I've known the longest um, as a from a prospect to a player. He's moving on. So some spots naturally going to open up here uh, as, um, you know, the spring unfolds. And, um, you know, we'll see kind of what they where they go from there. But I could see about five right now, um, you know, handling that. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, Whiskey Ponies question, how sustainable is our staff's ability to recruit the portal? Eight out of the current 14 guys are being brought over from assistance previous stops. While this is obviously great right now, would the staff be able to keep up the momentum when there aren't players to mine from previous programs? Um, I, I think the transfer portal success that SMU is having is sustainable. Um, I think now we've seen that, I, I would say, two staffs do it. Uh, NIL being in place is critical. Uh, that's a key part of it. And I don't think SMU lands some of those transfers from previous stops without NIL. And I'm not saying they landed all of them, uh, but there are other programs, you know, after uh, a lot of those guys, LJ Johnson, well, he's a local Texas kid. Um, so he fits the bill, you know, just as far as a, a, a Texas guy staying in Texas. But, um, you know, Jalen Knighton, Jordan Miller. I mean, Jordan Miller was being recruited by Purdue right up until the end and, and SMU was able to hang on. So um, Jalen Davis Robinson, I mean, that's a high school connection. That's um, Scott Simons knowing uh, Coach Coach Tolleson over there at, at Waxahachie and, and being close with him. Um, that's, that's a, you know, one where you're seeing kind of the more natural uh, way uh, to, to bring in, um, you know, transfers. This is guys that you recruited or guys you had relationships with. Um, and, and you bring them on board, um, you know, they're, they're just, it's kind of like a twofold thing. You've got to have NIL to get the elite ones in the end. Um, Mod Walker, um, Charles Woods, Chris Meganson, um, Robert Rahimi. I mean, those are guys that, uh, you know, certainly, you know, had NIL in play because they had uh, other schools after them. So it's kind of a two-parter there. SMU has the NIL in place to to really be a force in the transfer portal. And I think they're going to continue that. Uh, and now as this staff recruits players at SMU and continues to do that and, and look, Bo Corrales came from North Carolina and it didn't work out or whatever, but Bo Corrales came from North Carolina and the tie was Rob Likens recruiting him in Miami. So, and at Arizona state. So those are all things that come back around regardless of, you know, how that all works. So um, yes, I think it's sustainable. Um, and it just so happened that, you know, first of all, there's a mass exodus in Miami um, and Liberty as well. Coaching changes um, at both schools. So uh, that's something that they'll be able to, you know, take advantage of with other players down the line that they've recruited. And and um, who knows, maybe, um, you know, other other programs that they have familiarity with as they go through this. So um, moving into some uh, realignment questions. Uh, and and we'll kind of wrap up with this and then and then get to the rest on the the mailbag uh, on the actual message board at on the Pony Express. And um, some of these questions will also uh, we'll say for another mailbag podcast, they're kind of um, evergreen uh, running into a little time time crunch here. But uh, SMU alum 11 with rumors circulating that uh, the pack 
uh, 12 is going to invite SMU. Why would the ACC not consider us? Well, I can tell you, I've said this for a long, long time, that SMU has conversations with the Pac-12 and the ACC um, and the Big 12. I mean, they those are the three leagues that SMU keeps in contact with uh, on some level. So there's consideration from the ACC. Otherwise, they tell them to kick rocks. Uh, so that's kind of the reality of it. Does that mean that SMU is going to end up in the ACC? No, uh, not at all. Um, but, you know, the Pac-12 is the one that is, you know, uh, certainly centered around expansion talks right now. And that's why there's the most buzz around them. Um, the Big 12 is going to lose Texas and Oklahoma. It'd be interesting to see how they uh, try to add a little bit more value to their conference in the end. Um, because they probably need to do that with their new te television deal. So um, this is an ongoing thing. Realignment's been happening for years and years and years and years and years now. Um, and look, SMU stays in contact with the three leagues that they could realistically get into right now. So, um, and I'm not saying they're going to, but just from a perspective of being considered, if something like that was to happen, SMU's on the radar for all three leagues. So um, yeah, the ACC is considering SMU if they choose to expand. OC Mustang, uh, very hypothetical, positive presumption questions here. Assuming a Power 5 conference invites SMU, what would that look like? Do they announce it? Would you get a heads up? What other media receive heads up? Continue them, uh, and we'll get to the next question after I answer this. So if SMU got a Power 5 invite, I would like to feel like I would be given a heads up um, by someone, by some source, uh, at some point, um, that would be awesome. Um, whether that is somebody on the inside at SMU saying, hey, it's time, be ready. Whether that's uh, people across the industry that I've gotten to know over the last few years, you know, doing this, um, there there might be a heads up. There might not, you know, but if you're looking in terms of who nationally would receive the heads up, I mean, you know, the the top, top of football reporters, your, your, your Ross Dellinger, your Pete Thamel, I mean, your Bruce Feldman, those are the guys that break stuff like this normally. So it would be nice if I get a heads up and, and can, you know, break it, but odds are at that level, at that high of a level, it's probably going uh, to one of those guys. And then a formal announcement would come, um, you know, at some point in the future, once the news is broken. Continuing the mental exercise with OC Mustang, what would likely change about the athletic department? I don't mean changing leadership. That topic is about flogged to death. I mean, how does the athletic department and university begin behaving differently, staffing differently, marketing and communication different, presuming all the above occurs? I would say if I was SMU, you would have a very aggressive media campaign, obviously announcing your new conference, um, generating as much buzz as possible, doing some sort of get to know your conference, get to know your new conference mates, things like that. I know it sounds silly, but you have to capitalize on the buzz in Dallas of a power five invite. So if they went to the PAC 12, I mean, think about there's Oregon alums here. There's, there's a, uh, there's Cal alums. There's, there's Arizona state, there's Arizona, tons of Arizona people. Um, all sorts of schools out from West send people to Dallas in the end. Uh, they moved to Dallas. Dallas is awesome. Uh, and so you have to capitalize on that. So I'm interested to see if they can do something fun like that. 
um, and really announce it and blow it out of the water. As far as staffing, um, I think you you would then have to certainly add more operations people to deal with travel. I think for each, not each program, but um, for for you know somebody has to handle the swimming or somebody has to handle the this or the that because you're going to be gone longer periods of time because of the travel. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Um, I would say it wouldn't shock me if you saw an expansion in, in terms of PR and marketing just overall uh, in the staff. And, and that would be a good thing. You know, there's going to be more interest. There's going to be more um, eyes on SMU uh, if that happens. And uh, to deal with that, you, you probably need to add a, another full time member or two on, on those staffs. Um, and, and that's just to kind of take advantage of and, and hit on all the things that uh, are, are likely to come uh, if, if SMU gets that invite. Um, other than that, I mean, it, it sounds silly, but you know, they have the facilities, they, they do run things first class. Um, I know the, the stadium debacle was there and I, and I do feel like they have gotten it back on track. Um, I, I think they're going to have to continue to upgrade that in that regard, just overall, um, because you're going to have more fans, you're going to have all those things, but, you know, believe it or not, I mean, SMU does a lot of things at a, at a fairly high level. Um, I would like to see them take advantage of, of the pack, uh, the pack or the ACC or whatever move. If that happens with, with just trying to draw in more casual people, um, in a better way. So I don't know what that looks like. That's on them. And I'd be aggressive about it. And then, um, would it change anything about what you are doing? Um, I would say, well, it depends. So for right now, obviously we're giving football a ton of attention. Um, and that is because they are driving so much interest in the program by their actions on and off the field. They went to a bowl, didn't go their way, but they went to a bowl in year one under Rhett Lashley. Um, they went into the transfer portal and absolutely crushed it. Uh, I think that, and continue to crush it. And there continues to be news and they are, deserving of the attention that they're getting right now, which is pretty much all my time goes to um, recruiting and uh, catching up with coaches and trying to uh, get stories like we've seen all, all the exclusives on what SMU is getting and all their transfers and, and 2023 signees that have been on the board for you guys. Those are all things that because the interest is there, that's, that's why I'm doing that. You know, basketball, uh, they got the win last night against Tulsa uh, in overtime but they are, they're a bad team. They don't have, uh, because of the way they built the roster, they don't have uh, much on the recruiting front to talk about in 2023. They are going after transfers this offseason. And it, it's just, it's in a, a stagnant state in that regard. Um, so there's not much to talk about. Now, if, if the site explodes because of a move to the Power 5 conference and we're able to, hire a full, like a full-time part-time person to give basketball attention, then we're going to do that. And we'll probably do that for men's and women's if that was the case, um, because they're, they're kind of deserving of that attention. Um, that the women's team is right now, but, but basketball is if you can staff it the right way. So, um, it is going to be something that if it happens, I mean, I think the, the site will explode. And the best way that I can handle it is to 
give you guys the best recruiting coverage. Um, and, and that means if SMU recruits a little bit more nationally because of that, well, maybe I start going out to see some of these recruits um, that are elsewhere. Um, you know, they are, they already have Tyler Aronson, the 2024 quarterback commit from Florida. Um, and that's in my home state. So it's fairly easy. I'm going to go see him this fall. But if, you know, Sean Scott, you know, coming out of California, maybe I do go see him if they're in the pack and we have, you know, more money to spend on, on travel and things like that. So it doesn't change too much what I'm doing. I think, uh, having more, uh, site support. So going to the, um, you know, Pac-12 would mean we'd have, we'd have an Oregon site to balance things off of. Um, we have, um, you know, uh, I'm not really sure who else um, we really have on on the West Coast out there because USC and uh, U- U- UCLA are leaving. But um, those are kind of the, the the positives of it. So more more support from the network, without a doubt, on that front. Um, so NIL efforts. Uh, last part of the question. Um, I wouldn't say they would change. They'd still be very judicious in terms of uh, or deliberate in terms of how they pick guys. They're not going to overpay. They're not going to overspend. They're not going to become A&M. Um, but they will probably get more money to work with because people are excited and, and ready to buy into uh, what's, what SMU is doing and, and uh, the future of the, uh, the conference. So that is kind of the rundown on uh, the uh realignment talk but i did want you guys to get one uh true well another true like football question and i'm going to end with my way too early starting 22 uh which comes from probation coach um r.i.p the probation coach uh at smu basically uh but uh all right here we go we're gonna start a quarterback i'm gonna say preston stone is your starter running back jalen knighton the miami transfer left tackle marcus bryant uh left guard I would say is probably Ben Sparks. Um, and then your center, uh, I would say Branson Hickman as of now. And then at right guard, Justin Osborne and right tackle, Hyron White. I will say your sixth offensive lineman is probably PJ Williams. And he could play inside uh, and, and battle for that left guard spot. Uh, tight end, RJ Maryland, no surprise there. Wide receivers, I'll give you guys three. Keyshawn Smith, Jordan Curley, and Jake Bailey. Um, all three make a lot of sense to me. Maybe Romello Brinson's the first one off the bench on the outside. Then you get into the defensive line. Jordan Miller's your nose tackle. Elijah Chapman's your defense tackle. Uh, defensive end, Devere Levelston. I'm going to go stand-up edge. Probably Nelson Paul, but it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Samuels came on strong and was able to uh, to nab that spot. Um, linebacker, no surprise here. Uh, it's going to be Ahmad Walker. And then you're going to see probably Jaquandus Burns. He actually came on strong at the end of last year. And I liked what, um, like what he did. Uh, I do think they're going to continue to target, uh, linebackers in the transfer portal. Obviously, um, they need help there. They're very thin. Alex Kilgore would be the guy because he's an early, um, an early enrollee that could push uh, for a starting job at linebacker early on. And then they play nickel pretty much the entire time. And I would probably guess, and this is where, boy, does it get hard, uh, this entire secondary. Uh, Let me move back first. I think Jonathan McGill is a clear-cut starter at safety. Um, I would say... 
I would say a mod. Mo- I would say Robert Rahimi probably finds a way to start at safety. I mean, he was so productive last year for Liberty. He's got the talent. He's probably going to start at safety. Um, your nickel, it's either Brandon Crosley or maybe CJ Sanders. Um, both of those guys bring something different uh, to the table in a way. But I mean, I could I could see it being CJ Sanders and then. Uh, Chris Meganson and Charles Woods are the two starting corners, at least in my mind, right off the bat. So that's your starting 22 uh, for SMU in uh, uh, 2023. So with that, guys, going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Check back Friday for our next position uh, preview that we're going to break down. We're going to break break down that cornerback room that we ended on uh, and just give you guys some thoughts on that because I do believe that position's done. So. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this long mailbag edition. Check back on Friday for the mailbag pod, uh, for the mailbag Q&A at ontheponyexpress.com. Please hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. We're approaching 500 subscribers on the YouTube channel. Help us out. Hit that subscribe button and share the podcast with all your friends if you haven't already. So uh, appreciate you guys listening. Hope everybody uh, enjoyed this one and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.